Good morning, Chair City Church. Today I'm going to present you a message. It's around Christmas, meaning it's, it's not your typical Christmas message, but it's a biblical Christmas message. You see, around Christmas, we talk a lot about joy. You see it in like posters, graphics, ornaments, songs. That's a good idea. I like that. My youngest daughter is joy, huh? It's a great emotion to have, joy. And there's another emotion that's present around Christmas as well. I certainly get a great dose of it because of what I do, what Christy and I do together. And though you don't see that in lights, you might not catch it in, in ornaments, huh? It doesn't get a lot of attention. And that emotion is sorrow. Mm. And yet when we look into the Christmas story, we see sorrow alongside joy. And that's how it works in our lives as well. That's why I want, you to bring, I want to bring this message to you. This is reality. I think it's something that we try and kind of avoid or resist or feel less that 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 this reality exists in many of our lives, probably more so than less so, huh? When you read of the Christmas story, you, 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 the, the great song, Silent Night, Come Let Us Adore, I'm not going to sing. That was last week. We do want people to keep coming back, so I'll refrain from singing this week. But come let us adore him. Oh, come all ye faithful Joyful, joyful, joyful and triumphant, right? You, you hear that word and all that speaking of joy comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. The Bible says, but the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior will be born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So there's going to be a great joy, and you, the shepherds, and me, and you, and here today, we're going to get to be a part of this joy. Now, it's really interesting that this invitation is being delivered to the shepherds, right? And these shepherds are getting this invitation to go and see this baby Jesus, the Messiah, and all in the town of Bethlehem. It's all going on in Bethlehem. This is the same Bethlehem where David was born. We're talking about David and Goliath, that David, huh? And who, that same David who went on to be the greatest king of the nation of Israel. That's the same David that wrote Psalm 23, you know? The Lord is my shepherd. And when David was taking out Goliath at that time in his life, before he was king, he was a shepherd. It's incredible. The greatest pro proclamation ever heard in the history of our world comes to shepherds who are hanging out in the hometown of one of the most popular shepherds that ever lived. Now, hundreds of years later, hundred, not only not hundreds of years later for when David was born or lived in Bethlehem, these shepherds are getting the invitation to go and see the Messiah and the shepherd who's come to earth. They're getting to partake in this moment. And again, we see Bethlehem is sort of elevated. It's like, it's, it's just, it's spoken about in such a high way, right? You see that Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, it says, but you, Bethlehem, and it's now speaking of, in, from prophetic words from the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. Out of you, out of this land, called Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will shepherd 
my people Israel. It says Jesus is going to come to be our shepherd. He's going to be our shepherd because God knows we got some things we need to figure out, yes? You got some things you need to figure out this Christmas season? You got some things you need to work out in your life this Christmas season? Maybe you do. I've got a list, man, huh? We, me, you and I, we need to be shepherded. Let's watch the video. He's adorable, isn't he? He's determined. And he's picking up a lot of tennis balls, but he's not really getting anywhere, huh? It's like our lives, right? We put a lot of effort into things. We're, we're, we're taking a lot of action, our actions, but it doesn't seem like we're really getting anywhere. We might put a certain stick on it. We might try and frame it in a certain way, but we're really not getting anywhere. As I say, sometimes we're going one step forward and two steps back, right? We don't know why. What it is is we can't see where we're dropping the ball, yes? Huh? In our relationships, we can't see where we're dropping the ball, huh? We can see where our spouse is dropping the ball. We're very good at that. We're not so much where we're dropping that ball. We can't see where we're dropping the ball in our career, at our job, at school. Where are we dropping the ball? We can't see where we're dropping the ball with our faith and in our finances. We need someone to shepherd us, to guide us. In his love for us, Jesus came to do that. Jesus came to shepherd us into life in its fullest, that we would have abundant life. He is an awesome God, and he is with us. You know, in the beginning of the book of Matthew, it tells us of the story of Jesus' birth. And it tells us they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And then at the ending of the book of Matthew... It ends with Jesus now saying, surely I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. We have this promise that God is with us and he will always be with us. That's comforting. It is. And it kind of gives you, and it should a confidence, right? And that's good. Though, we can, because we're human beings, it can tend to lead us to kind of this conclusion, which brings us this kind of a warped way or kind of a, of a theology, of a doctrine of how we see God, right? I mean, it's good to be comforted. It's good to be confident. But, and to, for the sake of trusting in God, drawing close to God, knowing he's with us, but it can kind of lead us to be thinking of kind of away from that to a place of this. If God is with me, I'm going to have all joy and no sorrow. Ask yourself that question. Is that how you think, right? Because I do think many Christians think this way. Two or three times a year, I will hit on this subject. I'll speak to this. I do that because I see people struggle with this. I'm not saying I see people struggle often with the challenge in their life, but within those challenges, the way people speak the way they act, and this isn't, a, I'm not talking in a, a critical way. God have mercy. When I'm in their shoes, I, I'm susceptible and sometimes do the same thing. But the way we might think, the way we might act, the way we might respond, the way we might carry ourselves, it kind of might lend more to this tension that we might not verbalize it, but deep within ourselves, what's making us tick is this view of God that, hey, God is with me, so it's all joy and no sorrow. 
right? This Christmas, it's Christmas, so I should have all joy in my life and no sorrow. That's how I know it's a good Christmas. That's how I know I'm doing well in life because that person's got all joy and have no sorrow. Mm. If you believe that's true, right? If that's what you believe, then highly likely, very subtly, you will gradually come to a place of thinking Jesus is a bad shepherd. He's not a good shepherd like the Bible calls him out to be, right? Inevitably, sorrow is going to come to your life if it is not sitting on you right now to one degree or another, huh? And if you conclude this way of thinking, and this is how you think, how you've internalized your faith in God that it's all joy and no sorrow because God is with me, then you're going to be tempted to turn away from God. I'm not saying you could run away from the faith, but you're not going to turn to him in this time. You're going to think, okay, something must be wrong here because I've got, now I don't have all joy and no sorrow. But on the other hand, if you conclude that this way of thinking is kind of false, it's incomplete, it's inaccurate, it's not biblical, that if God is with me, I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have sorrow. And you're going to conclude that Jesus is a good shepherd. It's really important to, to just grasp this biblical truth. This season, let this be the season, the Christmas season, that you break the cycle of living that way. You know, of just thinking, okay, yeah, I've got this God. It's all joy. It's no sorrow. Uh, but then it really doesn't work out that way. So now I'm not really going to trust in him. I'm going to turn from him. But I know he's there. I'm not going to say I don't believe in him. I'm going to kind of balance this out, some of him, some of me. But I'm not just going to, I'm not going to let him shepherd me. I'm not going to let him guide me. I'm not going to trust him to that degree, huh? And you wind up turning from God instead of going to him. Adam and I were talking about this earlier this morning and talking about just things reflecting back over the last few years on what God has done in my life and his life through some really trying and painful time and how, and how now we're sitting here, you know, and, and just acknowledging to one another, pointing out to each other what God has done in one another's life. And we're like, wow, you know, and we cannot deny that this came from that sorrow and all that was, we can't, and we're both aware of what went on in each other's lives, right? And we're saying, you know what, we wouldn't have chose that path, but undeniably, God worked through that. And then I looked at him and I said, but you know what? God have mercy that he enabled us to turn to him because so many don't turn to God in the sorrow because they're looking for the joy. That's what God is. And instead, they turn away from them to themselves, and they miss God's phenomenal purpose and plan in their life, right? Meaning, we're sitting here right now in awe of God, recognizing his faithfulness, knowing he's with us. Because we turn to him. Huh? Instead of tossing out cliches, and, and platitudes and going through the motions, trying to say what's right, but living out differently internally, you know? Turn to God and you'll have comfort. You'll have calmness. You'll have confidence. That very first Christmas story, God sends Jesus to be our shepherd. Have confidence in your shepherd. Have comfort in your shepherd, yes? Have calmness with your shepherd. 
This concept of shepherding goes back hundreds of years before Jesus was born in the Old Testament. And you see it with King David. When he writes Psalm 23, let's read the beginning of Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to catch something here. It's small, but it's important. David didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. You see that? He's not being general. He's being very personal. He's saying my because he knows this to be true. There's a few ways that you could know something. You know, like most of us have seen on TV or read about jumping out of an airplane, right? An airplane that's thousands of feet in the air traveling hundreds of miles, huh? But that doesn't mean, you know, that you've been in an airplane that's traveling hundreds of miles, thousands of feet in the air, and you've jumped out. You've seen it, you've read about it, right? Now, how many of you have jumped out of an airplane in, under those conditions? Nobody. I did. Yeah, I did. It's, I did it in my 20s before I met Christy. Uh, you know, I had read about it. I saw people doing it on TV. It was very, very different when I did it, man. It was crazy. It was exhilarating. It was, it was awesome. It's something you do only one time, man. <laughs> you know, but it, it was an experience now. Like, I, I, when you, if you sit down, I'll talk to you about it. It'll be like I did it yesterday. David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Not because I read about it. Not because someone necessarily told me about it. But because I've experienced it myself, I know it to be true. He created me. He formed me in my mother's womb. He is my shepherd. God knows me inside and out. He knows me better than I know myself. Yes, he does. That's why we, can, we want to talk openly and honestly to God. We want to sit before God because he knows us better than we know ourselves. But he can help us to become more aware of who we are. God watches over me. God knows my name. God provides for me. He comforts me. He carries me. This is not religion. This is personal relationship, yes? This is shepherding. This is God, not only in the highest heaven, but this is God down here on earth with me and with you this morning. Praise God to God be the glory. Take comfort this morning. This sorrow, this joy, that's reality, that's life, and God is with you. The Lord is my shepherd. David, David tosses out a few things in this psalm. He tosses out many, but we're going to go to a few things to help us understand the power of Christmas in our life, right? And that Jesus being introduced as the good shepherd. So first, Jesus as our shepherd is with us in the joy of green pastures. It just sounds nice, doesn't it? Psalm 23, verse 1, 2, and 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing, David says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Be refreshed this morning. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. When David says green pastures, he's referring here to good places, right? The Lord shepherds me to a good place, to good places. When a sheep is led to green pastures, 
to a green pasture. Once they're there, they're nourished, they're provided for, they're cared for, they're watched over. David is saying, this is what the Lord Jesus does for me. You've been there, right? You've been to a good place in your life at one point or another. We've had them, some of them more memorable than others. Every Christmas, I'll not go there in detail. Sometimes I have, but you know, Christmas for us, we had our first child. It was born Christmas Eve to Christy and I. And, and you know, it was, a, it was monumental for me. It was something I, I had kind of in some way always thought of or envisioned or considered in this way that, you know, I, uh, you know, that I would be there. It's just like, I just wanted to be there. Sometimes it would haunt me like a fear and how I would have a child. That, that What if I, in any way I, you know, how I conduct myself. I, it was like a big thing. I, when my child is born, I want to be there, you know. And, and that's, I know that came from me because, although I don't remember it, but I knew that my father was not there when I was born. And not only wasn't he there when I was born, he, he was really never there in my life. Like, never. Like, I have one vague memory of my father and so I knew that I would that I that would not be that way with my child and that would begin with me being there when my son was born and that Christmas Eve of 1999 I was there and without getting into details I openly proclaimed and professed what I'm telling you out loud you know like, I'm here, I'm here. And I was just weeping and thanking God. That was a good place, man. That was a very good place to be in, huh? That was a green pasture moment for me. My child was born, I was a dad, and I was there. God had shepherded me there. I promise you, that's not a cliche. That's not a good place for it to fit in a sermon. God had guided me there. He had nurtured me there. He had watched over me to get me there, huh? And I did not turn from him. I turned to him. I trusted in him. We have memories of God taking us to good places. And in those times, you're like, yeah, you know, God is with me. I know he is. And he is. But David doesn't stop with those words in Psalm 23. He goes on to write in verse 4, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. God, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, he's depicting a shepherd there. So David's not talking about green pastures. He's talking about when evil has landed on our life when it doesn't seem like you're anywhere near a green pasture huh when it's so dark maybe you can't even think or perceive of God it's just so distant from you let alone to consider that he is with you guiding you leading you in the middle of the darkest valley the darkest and the lowest point in life David says the Lord is my shepherd. He's a good shepherd. You see, Jesus is not only our shepherd in the joy of the green pastures. He's our shepherd through the sorrow of the dark valleys, of the dark days, of the dark places in our life. He is our shepherd. Oh, this Christmas, get this, that God sent Jesus to shepherd you through the sorrows, to be with you in the joy. You see, in the green pastures, it's not likely that your eye ask that question. Is God with me? 
We just, God is with me. Things are great. I'm filled with joy. God is with me. But in those dark places, those confusing places, those painful places, places of sorrow, it's there where we reasonably, understandably say, is God with me? Don't let Satan distort the truth. Don't let him confuse you this Christmas season. Yes, there's sorrow, and yes, there's joy, and yes, there's joy, and yes, there's sorrow, and this is life, and God is with you in the midst of, midst of all of it. So notice him in the joy, and notice him in the sorrow, yes? In the time of darkness, say, Lord, I know you are with me. Remember, that first Christmas, in the Christmas story, there was sorrow alongside joy. Now, in this Christmas story, there's just a part of it that's not talked about much. It's not. I don't recall speaking about it on a Christmas, around Christmas. I don't think most people like to go there at all. Huh? The Bible tells us that there were these magi, these wise men, and they traveled a long way and they came to Jerusalem. And they're looking for the Messiah, the, the child to be born king of the Jews. And, and, and it, as that's going on, there are these religious leaders, scribes and Pharisees, and they're talking to a man named King Herod, who's the earthly king of the Jews right there, huh? And he's been put in place by the Roman Empire. He's more Roman than he is Jewish, you know, not ethnicity, but as far as how he acts. And Herod and the Pharisees and the scribes, they know that prophecy, the Old Testament, the scriptures say, hey, the time has come. This child is going to be born, the Messiah, and he's going to be king of the Jews, now, Herod, King Herod, he's got no intention of giving up his royalty and turning over his place to a king, right? So he tells the wise men, the magi, you know, when you find this child, let me know who he is and where he is. So you worship him first, come to me, tell me, I'll go then and I'll worship him as well. King Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus, huh? And, and, and the Magi are then warned by an angel not to go back to Herod, but to escape and to go a different route home. Herod realizes this, that he was not successful and, and that he had been dismissed, and he gets mad. And then Herod, who was an immensely cruel and insane person, did something that was horrific. He did the most insane, senseless thing. He sent his soldiers to that Bethlehem, that storied place Bethlehem, that revealed Bethlehem, that elevated place Bethlehem, and to Bethlehem and the surrounding areas, and he instructs his soldiers to kill and to murder every little boy that's two years old and under so that his kingdom would be preserved. Right there, in the middle of that first Christmas, then an angel tells Joseph and Mary to escape Bethlehem, to leave because Herod is coming to harm Jesus. And Jesus' life is preserved so that Jesus could live, so that Jesus could give his life and die on the cross for you and I. But all those two-year-old boys, two-year-old and under, they're killed. Merry Christmas. How horrible, how sorrowful. John Piper wrote a book called The Innkeeper, and kind of a dramatic play on this, in the story of it, that of one of the shepherds 
that the angel came to him to say, hey, I bring you great news, is one of the shepherd, is one of the persons who loses a two-year-old son murdered that night when they come. Hmm? What great news, right? I mean, isn't it true? If God is with us, I'm going to have all joy and no sorrow. It's Christmas. We read of joy. We know of joy. It says of joy. It's joy for everyone. And it is joy for everyone. But it doesn't mean that there'll be no sorrow. And, and I do think that, although it's for everyone, that we can be in the midst of some of the most painful times and just not sense that. Unless we're really inclined to do so. I don't think those families who lost their children were having any joy. I'm positive they were not having joy, huh? That's because they, like you and I, are not immune to sorrow, right? Because we live in a fallen and a broken world. And in the midst of all that brokenness and all that pain and suffering, Christ comes into it. And he brings joy. And we have that in the midst of the sorrow. And you have sorrow alongside joy. We don't want to turn away from God. We want to turn to him. Listen, it bothers me to read that. It bothers me to think of it. And I have my moments. David, the writer of Psalm 23, he had his moments too. He had dark valleys. He would sit before God and say, God, search me. Let me know if there's anything in me that's not well, meaning I'm in pain, I'm suffering, I'm getting angry. Search me, God. I don't want any of that to get in the way of me trusting you, turning to you, and knowing you, and knowing that you're with me. Because I've got sorrow, but I'm going to have joy. And I got joy, but I know there's going to be sorrow. And you are in the middle of this mix, yes? And you will work through this mix as I turn to you. And you will glorify yourself through this mix. You will do things in me that I never could have imagined. You could take me to places that I never thought I could go to. Because you're a good, good shepherd, yes? Oh, yeah. Mm. Listen, David... You know, it's noted by theologians, those who study the Bible, they pick this up. Again, another small thing, that when David went through his darkest valleys, the writer of Psalm 23, he changed the way he referenced, referenced God in those writings. He went from speaking of God of he to you. So he didn't say he is with me. He said you are with me. They noticed that when, that when he's in his darkest times, he's like it goes from a he to a you, right? Christmas is not just joy. Now, look, I hope that you have an abundance of joy this Christmas. I hope we have a, a lot of joy. And listen, enjoy. Enjoy. Thank God. Praise God. Celebrate joy. I'm in a great meal. I'm, I'm just lit up. I stuck in a dug. I'm like, you know, yeah, the schedule is max. It's crazy more than I think it's ever been. And I'm just feeling great. I'm just filled with joy to see what God is doing in people's lives, to know that I'm immersed in so many people's lives, to know all that we're seeing going on here, to be around all of you. This is just wonderful. But remember, Christmas can be, and it likely is, a time that's mixed with sorrow, with joy. Joy alongside sorrow. So don't be confused. Don't begin to disconnect from God and think you've got to figure this out by ignoring the sorrow and just kind of artificially jumping into the joy. No, no, no. In the mix of it all, take it all in and just praise God. I'm not saying you're glad for the sorrow. No, but praise God and know that he is with you. More than anything, know that God is with me. 
Christmas can be a time of sorrow. For some, it could be that empty chair. And that empty chair means loss. Someone is no longer with you. Or that empty chair could mean that there's division. And that's why that person isn't there. Or there's a distance, maybe, good or bad, that came and that person's not there, there in that chair. Or maybe that person's there in the chair, but they're not doing well or the same physically, cognitively, emotionally. Huh? It could be a loss of a, of a job, of a dream, the ending of a dream. Many people, most people go through Christmas season with a mix of joy and sorrow. And the world tells us, you know, to put on a smile, right? You know, and that's what we do. Pick yourself up. Put on a smile. Merry Christmas. And we think, okay, that's how we have to be. We shouldn't be having sorrow. And if it is, then, you know, we're not experiencing God and God might not be with us. Look, one way I've seen Rather than try and create it artificially or to, you know, grab a cliche one way, you can make yourself smile and you can just really experience God being with you is to serve others and care for others. As I started doing this the very first Christmas I had come to faith in Christ, I, I did it not intentionally, like as a formula to know Jesus. I just did it kind of instinctively. I was so thrilled, so glad, so enthusiastic about this way now that I was changing and living my life, not for myself, but thinking about others or mostly just thinking about God. And I was so hopeful for the possibilities and the potential that I felt that, that was coming now. When I looked forward into the future, my mind was in ravaged with anxiety and restlessness. And so I'd go out and I would like do things. My first Christmas with all different types of people that I didn't even know, huh? To go out and to see them smile. This Friday, you, we, we did something wonderful in the spirit of Christmas. We did something that made a lot of people smile. It was a phenomenal night. It was electric. I think we had over 60 volunteers. Over maybe 250, 60 people were there. Uh, what a blast. It was, uh, you know, Santa had his list. I actually heard a boy talking like confrontationally with his mother saying, I'm on the good list. Santa told me I'm on the good list. I'm not on the bad list. Like, and she's like, oh, can't use that card anymore. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, here's the thing that I was thinking of. It was really precious to be there. If you're a human being, it was a privilege to be there and see this abundance of laughter. Somebody was telling me, I don't know if they were there the first time or maybe the second time, they're, you know, serving and helping they're like, I watched people walk in, like, kind of downtrodden, like, like, you know, just, you know, like it's a day. And I see all them walk out, like, beaming and laughing and, and holding hands. It was just so wonderful. You made people smile. Now, some of them told you that this was the, most, the best part of their Christmas. They told you that. You told me. But you could see it in them, how meaningful it was. You experience God in a wonderful way. And you know what? I know you. I know you. Many of you have sorrow in your life. Some of you that are there are suffering. You are so awesome. In the midst of your sorrow and suffering, you did not turn from God. You ran to the battle and you served others and you experienced joy in the middle of your sorrow and you know that God is with me, right? Good for you, man. Glorify God. Live outside yourself. 
Know that when you do so, you're being led. This is not you alone, but you're being led by the one true good shepherd. This Christmas, go out there. You have invitations. Invite people to come and join us. Christmas Sunday service is at the 22nd. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be an inspiring time. Christmas Eve candlelight service, it's just going to be wonderful. I don't know what I'm telling you to join, but invite people to... Christmas Eve is a significant time of people that don't go to church. They are highly likely. Some say now to a point it's, it's almost past Easter that if you invite them, they'll come in and they'll join you. So, look, it's not bad advice to tell somebody, you know, keep your head up, smile, you know. But David's not talking about putting a smile on his face here, right? David, in the darkest of times, is talking about having real hope, true hope. He goes on to say in Psalm 23, he tells us that our shepherd is with us in goodness and mercy. This is me, man. (laughs) Psalm 23, verses 5 through 6 says, David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, in the presence of that which is looking to devour me in my life, which is coming down on me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You're doing something great in me that I could not do for myself. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look, what David is saying is, man, I've been through dark valleys, and I've known green pastures. One way or another, I know that God's goodness and mercy will be with me, right? He's going to lead me. In the joy, in the sorrow, in the mix, God's goodness and mercy is with you. David's saying, I have a good shepherd. You have a good shepherd this Christmas season. Jesus came on Christmas to lead you, to guide you, to be your shepherd. But he came most of all to restore you to relationship with God, to rescue you, to have personal relation with God so that he's not the he, he's the you, right? He's my God. So that you and I can have this promise of eternal life. And that's got to mean something to you this morning. That's got to rise above anything else in priority in your heart and your mind this morning. It's got to be paramount. I have salvation. If you are in here today and you don't have what we call that salvation, meaning this deep, meaningful, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and with the one true God. Today, you can know Jesus as your good shepherd. You see, what happens is when, you know, today you might be in a place of sorrow and, and, and you could have joy. Or if you've been in a place of joy or if you think you have sorrow, you think God isn't with you and you don't know God. It's just not true. Listen, when difficulty comes and if it's on you, you don't have to turn on God in your sorrow. You can turn to God and have joy again. Yes? This morning, though, If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your shepherd, we want to invite you to turn to him with all your heart. You're going to turn to Jesus this morning. You're going to realize that you're not alone. You're going to say, wow, Jesus is coming into my life not to take from me. Well, but you're going to give up that which is not intended to be the prominent parts of who you are. You're going to put aside identities that really are causing you more harm than good, that, that really are in, in themselves fairly shallow. And you're going to take on the identity of the one true God, your Lord, your Savior, your Shepherd, Jesus Christ. And you're going to turn to him. 
You're going to, what they call repent, that means I'm going to turn from the way I'm living now, I'm going to trust in God, I'm going to turn to God, I'm going to ask God to forgive me for living out in a way that was apart from him, that missed the target, what they call sin. And I'm going to know that I have that forgiveness because Jesus has come to earth to shepherd me. And I'm not stepping out on my own, but Jesus is with me and he's guiding me. That's how I can even think this way. That's how I can even consider there's a God. That's how I can even hope and want for more because Jesus is with me now. And I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to turn to him. I want to have a relationship with him. What a wonderful Christmas. What a wonderful Christmas season, uh, you know, to do that. What a wonderful thing to do. And, and, and as we're worshiping and singing this last song, just take it in that the new has come and the old is gone. What a glorious moment, huh? And, and if you've been kicking this Christian thing around for a long time, and maybe you just really haven't grasped that it's a mix. Maybe when you see sorrow, you kind of look to ignore it or you kind of look to just categorize it in your mind like, okay, well, sorrow here, you know, but God's not here. Or, or maybe God will help me kind of deal with that, but God's here, joy is here, and if I can get to God and joy, then it'll help me deal with or ignore or manage that sorrow. No, God is with you in all of it. And he totally expected you to have all of it. And that's reality and worship and glorify and enjoy God in all of it, Yes. People need a shepherd like Jesus. Invite them to join us this holiday season. Reach out to them. Connect to people. Jesus came to rescue us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's the greatest joy of Christmas. God come to earth to rescue us. No one can take that from us. Doesn't mean sorrow won't come. It will. It means that in our lives... This Christmas, we can go through sorrow, and we can have joy, we can have both, and we know God is with us. To God be the glory.